So welcome to the third installment of the WAGS podcast. Once again, I'm on the road on the way into work and kind of just wanted to make this conversation today a little fun. The last two conversations have been uh, not heavy, but a little bit more serious and talking about different ways to um, sort of look at approaching different parts of your life different segments and this one I just wanted to discuss some fun things um, the kids and my wife they always make fun of me for for my top fives um, I, uh, I have sort of a running joke now that um, when I hear a song or watch a movie or see something that uh, especially in the entertainment field that I really like um, and when I like it a lot I always say oh this is, this is one of my top five songs one of my top five movies um and uh at some point the kids started to realize that i had a lot of top fives and so they said you know you have more than five songs in your top five list and uh it's now become kind of a running joke um so i thought on the way to work today why don't make a fun little uh top five list today um and i wanted to 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 kind of talk about top five music albums for me personally um you know but also some of it is connected to i would say what other people would consider top five albums of all time but i also really tried to make this a little bit more um what i believe are are my personal top fives so it's not just uh, meant to be a crit- you know, music critic's perspective of what are the best five albums of all time. Although I think some of the albums that I personally like are also in that conversation. But also which albums for me have been probably the most influential or important albums in my life. So I think to start off, maybe I'll, I'll kind of go with this, this sort of more obvious ones. Um, so again, let's re- remind everybody that, that the the list is going to be more than five, even though I call it a top five list. So the first one I would definitely say would be the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper album. Um, that comes to mind, I think, for a lot of people uh, because of just the influence. The you know, if, if if people were listening to this who went through that time, it was such a unique, uh, different sound for them, and as well as well as the, the music at the time it started to push the, the boundaries and the envelope and you know when I think of a best album it's always something that I you know hit play or, or put the needle on the record and I and I don't skip songs there isn't anything that I oh I don't I can't stand this song so there's there's no song on that album that I feel like that sure there are some that I like more than others and some that I I'm not a gigantic fan of um, but when you, you look at it, there's nothing that I really hate on that. And so for that, for me, it's, it's definitely that album. Although I wouldn't say that that's my number one. That's definitely, no matter, no, all jokes aside, I, I wouldn't put that as my favorite album of all time. Uh, Day in a Life is definitely my favorite song on that album. So, uh, again, unique way that they made a song at that time, which was a little different than other things that were out there. So the, uh, the, the next album for me, and I really came to this album late, to be honest with you, um, is, uh, is Pink Floyd, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. You know, there's some people who 
listen to Pink Floyd, then there's a debate on, you know, The Wall or Dark Side as being a better album for um, Pink Floyd. And I, I get it. I understand why people have that conversation. Um, I just got more into Dark Side of the Moon. I, I just uh, enjoyed that a lot more from start to finish. Um, I thought it was a little bit more, um, I, I guess, the concepts were weren't as specific. Uh, at least I didn't get that from, you know, The Wall has a very specific agenda, um, political at times um, message. And Dark Side of the Moon, um, there may be some of that in there. I just never took away from that. I took that as a very fun ride. It just felt like that album was always, I'm on a journey through space or something. <laughs> and I, uh, I just felt, I just always enjoy that album from start to finish. And I just feel like I'm on a nice, relaxing, enjoyable um, trip. And, uh, yeah, I mean, us, us and them, sure, there's some, some of that that's in there that's political in nature or at least uh, has some specific agenda points there. But I just never really took it as I took away from that a real heavy message, right? Like this, just that just never did. I just enjoyed it from start to finish. Um, a side note on that album and sort of how that's connected to me personally even before I listened to Pink Floyd and really got into that album, which was way, way later in my life, uh, probably in my 20s. Um, so I, I wasn't, even though I listened to music and all kinds of music uh, in, in my teen years and, and early 20s, I, I really didn't come to that album to really enjoy it until my late 20s. And so, but in seventh grade, I was in a science class with uh, Mr. Tripp's science class. And uh, my friend Dave was in that class with me. And we had to, I don't, get, I don't really remember the topic. I guess it's some sort of, uh, something connected to um, wind or, or energy. I don't remember what the science topic was. But for some reason, we had to, to build kites in that class. And... Um, and they had to function as part of the grade, I believe. I, I, it would make sense that they would. But we got to do whatever we wanted. We could build it out of whatever fabric and um, do whatever we wanted to, to build this kite. Traditional box kites, whatever. And Dave and I um, were partners. And I will take no credit for this at all. Um, but Dave, being as artistic as he is, decided to take a black piece of cloth and uh, paint the dark side of the moon uh, cover on the kite that was uh, ultimately our kite that we we handed in for our grade. Um, I don't really remember having a lot to do with building that kite, to be honest with you. Um, I don't remember what grade I got on it. I just remember the, the image. Um, I think Dave might still even have that kite somewhere. Uh, so, we, uh, so that was my connection to that album, even way before I enjoyed the album uh, the, the uh, sort of another staying in sort of maybe some old school albums uh, I also really enjoy uh, the first Doors album especially but I, I I think that there are other great albums that people I mean everyone goes to Morrison's Hotel which I enjoy um, I also enjoy Soft Parade which is more of an obscure album it's probably their least critically acclaimed album uh, but I, I personally love the 
the different sounds on the Soft Parade album. But, I mean, when, from start to finish, you, you really can't go wrong with uh, the First Doors album for me. And that was a very influential album, and that band was very influential for me. Uh, I got into them really early, um, thanks to my uh, older cousins who were also way into them. And they introduced me. I was probably fifth, sixth, seventh grade. I was hearing the Doors on a regular basis. My parents weren't really into the Doors. They were into the Beatles. Um and uh, you know Motown and things like that, and I enjoy all the Motown as well. But the 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 Doors was influenced by my older cousins. And uh, what's interesting in connection personally there uh, is that one of my best friends growing up, one of my closest friends, and uh, someone who we interviewed uh, on on our other podcast uh, about some of the articles that he's writing, his trips to Italy, things like that. His name's Chris. And Chris uh, Chris and I were on the same bus stop since kindergarten together. And he also had, uh, he had older siblings. He was the youngest of six. I think his oldest sibling is like 10 or 12 years older than him. I honestly don't really know. It's, it's significantly older. So he got a similar influence from some older siblings uh, as it relates to music. And the doors were also something he was into. So we're here's you know a couple fifth or sixth or seventh graders. Uh, I really don't remember when we were both really into them. Uh, probably sixth grade, I think, is probably the right age. So what is that? Twelve, thirteen, um, and we were sitting there talking about the doors on on the bus stop, you know. And even even over the last few years, if, when Ray Manzarek passed away, we text each other. Oh, you know, Ray's gone. There's only Robbie and, and John left and so uh, you know we, we've we still have connection as it relates to the doors to this day um, but for me that was just a I really at times felt very connected to Jim Morrison and his sort of message and not from the artistic standpoint I'm, I don't consider myself that more of the cerebral intellectual you know pushing the boundaries of things challenging the world that's always been something that I've connected to with, with him. And uh, that's, I think, why I got so into The Doors. But The Doors' first album for me is definitely in my top five. Uh, then again, some more personal, personal, um, as well as maybe even, I would say, debatable on the top five. I mean, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, oh my goodness, from start to finish, that album is unbelievable. And uh, now for me, I, I jumped off the Guns N' Roses bandwagon after that. Uh, there are a few little songs here or there that I liked. But from start to finish, I, I think that it was just so different uh, than, than what was on the radio. You know, you had so much at that time of this, you know, hair band, 1980s, you know, pop rock. You know, I, I guess it was considered heavy rock or hard rock or heavy metal or whatever it was considered. But the poisons of the world were out there. The even Van Halen had kind of gone down. They were really at the end of the day, Van Halen was probably the first hair band. But all of them, you know, I just it played itself out. They were all derivatives of the, the, themselves. And Guns N' Roses came along and sort of blew the doors off of everything. And the first Welcome to Welcome to the Jungle video, they tried to tease his hair up and, you know, be connected to that hairband thing, but that just, it didn't, looking back now, it makes no sense. They had no uh, connection to that music, and they were their own um, 
you know, new sort of heavy, serious rock band versus this bubblegum heavy pop music that was on the radio. And, uh, and I was, I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, that album was just something that, you know, even today, if we wanted to play from start to finish, I absolutely would love it. Uh, and it was the prequel, at least from a change of music perspective, of, you know, the grunge movement happening in Seattle was already happening at that time uh, when Guns N' Roses came out. Nobody knew about it yet, but Soundgarden existed in the you know mid to late '80s, and uh, as well as other bands in the uh, you know the precursors to Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, and all of those bands that came in the early '90s were there were bands in Seattle already in play. Mother Love Bone, um, you know uh, the Mud Honey, uh, the Melvins, they all existed in the mid to late 80s, and they were playing a heavier sound, they just, nobody knew about them at the time, so Guns N' Roses for me was sort of that, that change of, changing of the guard for, uh, and and ultimately that album, regardless of whether the impact of that album and the change of, the, of, of, of what it did to the radio, but it just was a great album. I mean, just it was unbelievable. Sweet Child of Mine is still an, an amazing song. Paradise City, um, you know, just just unbelievable album from start to finish. And uh, and then again, some more real personal. I would none of these I would say would be probably on anybody's top five list for greatest albums of all time. But uh, the Church Starfish album. Um, that album was influential for for us personally as as teenagers uh, growing up um, in the in the eighties. Uh, the church had already kind of had a little bit of fame with a few earlier kind of college radio stuff that existed uh, out there, and um, it was one of those albums for us that we just connected to it just had this message and the sure was a little bit of melancholy and it, and i think we my generation gen xers we dug all that melancholy stuff that you know punk rock our version of punk rock was was grunge and the smiths and rem and you know these bands that were a little depressed you know de- depressing to listen to the cure new order joy division i mean some of those bands started in the late 70s, but ultimately they really their claim to fame became in the in the mid 80s and late 80s. And that that stuff spoke to my generation in a way because we were we were so disillusioned. There was no you know hope that we had in government or you know we just this, our cynicism was built on all the the transparency that we could see that existed in the world. That there was, um, you know, the baby boomers. I, I, you know, to give them credit, they did a good job of stripping away the the um, the mask that existed out there uh, over the public on politics and capitalism and kind of the way the world really worked. Uh, the downside is that their their children or their next gen or the next generation anyway. Ultimately, uh, saw all of that grew up with no belief in in the system or the the church or, you know, um, the, not the band, the church, but the, uh, uh, the the institutions. Really, is what I'm trying to get at here, and that created a cynicism. And and it just and instead of 
you know, there didn't seem to be our punk rock wasn't let's fight the man and fight the power and you know really rebel with this angry scream at you loud loud and proud and you know change the world with the noise ours was what's the point um you know what what's the point of of fighting you know yelling and screaming and being loud because there's not going to be any change anyway so a lot of that music um really represented that for me and the church was just so personal to us uh under the milky way was the one big song they had on the radio really was probably their biggest song as a band but that album start to finish for us personally and I just had an opportunity here in 2018 to have seen them for the first time and they played their whole tour was uh, they played that album from start to finish uh, in order and then took it took an encore break and then did uh, another 10 so song 10 or so songs on older and and newer albums uh, around that so it was a great show to see that and finally see that uh, for the first time. And then sort of my last personal top five um, would be uh, the the first uh, Billy Idol album. Again, a very, very personal album uh, to us, uh, to me and my friends growing up. Didn't really speak to the... Um, to the masses in that way. Sure, White Weddings on that album and um, Dancing with Myself, but that was just an album that we played from start to finish uh, on loop. You know, CDs were pretty new at that time. I think at that time, our f- only one one of our friends had a CD player, and within the collection, there might have been one Stones album. Um, uh, John's mom probably had some uh some Marvin Gaye or some Motown in there some sort of R&B and then uh and then we had this Billy Idol album and uh, that was I think inspired by John's uncle who was really into Billy Idol and and John brought that into our friendship and we ended up playing that the grooves out of that album I have since seen Billy Idol in concert three times uh and the, the last time I got to take uh my wife who had you know, saw Billy Idol as a little bit of what everybody else sees him as, as sort of this, you know, almost cartoonish character around punk pop music. And, but I think now he has the credit that he deserves as being the precursor to Green Day about that punk pop look and sound. That it was punk, but it was also radio friendly and people really enjoyed it, um, which Green Day ultimately turned into sort of the next level. Of, of punk pop and uh, yeah, Bill, Billy Idol was definitely a huge influence for us we had a great time with Billy Idol and uh, and I've since got to see him a, a handful of times and then my last album that I'll put on here that's uh, I would say could be discussed in the top uh, you know albums of all time but uh, personally it's also a personal probably number one if not in the it's definitely in my top five and that's just Pearl Jam 10. I mean, Pearl Jam 10, I have seen Pearl Jam in concert five times. Uh, I could not get enough of Pearl Jam. Uh, I was into REM prior to Pearl Jam at that same sort of obsessive level. And if I had a favorite um, REM album, I would say it's probably Green. And, and, and you know, it would probably be an alternate if I really uh, thought about the Green album and how much I really enjoyed that. But I also like 
automatic for the people and I like uh, uh, out of time but I don't like out of time for every song there's some songs on out of time that I absolutely you know near wild heaven is one of my favorite songs uh, of all time for REM and Endgame, which is an instrumental I love that uh, but I'm you know losing my religion is overplayed a uh, song with KRS one I'm not a huge fan of so out of time you know has some holes in it that I don't really like but you know, you listen to Green from start to finish, and that was probably my favorite REM song. So I'll throw that on this list as being maybe an, uh, on that list, debatable on that list. But going back to uh, Pearl Jam, I mean, once I started to transition into this heavier, darker, you know, sound uh, away from the, the REMs that were a little bit more poppy, that that just that's that really spoke to me. I mean, Pearl Jam in particular more than Nirvana or Soundgarden, and I do appreciate what those bands brought to the table too. And I'm fans of those bands, but Pearl Jam just spoke to me personally in a way that just it. They're they're the song Dissident, for example. I when that song came out on the Versus album in '92, I believe it was it spoke to me specifically. I mean, it, it, that that song. Um, I mean, I felt like I was that person that they were talking about. I felt like I was the dissident that they were speaking about because I think that there were a lot of people in my generation that felt that at that particular moment. You know, I, uh, Gen Xers were 64 to 84, I believe, is the generation window. And I was 71. I was born in 71. So I'm right in the heart of that. I joke with people all the time when they... You know, when I remind them of my cynicism that I, I am the picture you find in the dictionary when you look up Gen X. I mean, I kind of have all the characteristics of what a Gen Xer is. Um, and for me, that that I think they just did a great job at really speaking to that audience in a way that um, I, I think other bands did to some degree. But in particular, I think Pearl Jam just really tapped into that, especially the first two or three albums. Um, they have uh, another song, uh, Indifference, that if you listen to Indifference, that is the sentiment of the generation. So um, I think Dissident kind of speaks to the individual, and Indifference speaks to uh, the, the, the sentiment of the Gen Xers. So for me, that's um, my quote-unquote top five list of, of greatest albums, both uh, in general as well as mine specifically. So uh, I, I just wanted to make this, this conversation today a little bit more fun and uh, make your own top five. Think about what your top m music uh, or movies or books or whatever that case, you know, whatever you're interested in. It's fun sometimes to think about what your favorite things are and why and how you're connected to them and what does that mean to you. And uh, because I think it's important for me, I, I, the whole reason I'm doing these podcasts is to have something that, whether it's tomorrow or a year from now or 10 years from now, my kids want to know a little bit more about me. There's there's something they can go find somewhere and listen to that. So, And maybe they'll go down that journey of listening to Sgt. Pepper or 10 or R.E.M. Green or whatever the case may be and see what that meant to me. Um, and maybe that'll make them understand me a little bit better. So appreciate you guys uh, listening. I've had a blast thinking about it. I, I didn't write anything down in preparation for this. Not that I feel like you really have to if you're listing your favorite things that really just, you know, you know off the top of your head what those things are. But 
Uh, again, I appreciate you listening. Had a great time. And talk to you guys soon. Take care.